I clutched my pearls the whole time I read this book. I'm like hooked. I was on the edge of my seat. I leaned forward. Five stars, baby. Welcome to Books in the City Pod. Ooh. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Books in the City Podcast. I'm Libby. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, keep going. (laughs) I'm sorry, this always happens. I'm Becky. I'm Emily. I'm Kayla. And And we're sane. Are we? Really well. Um, We're friends, four friends who love books and love to talk about them and um, are doing that in person again today, which I think is why we're in such a loopy little mood it's also <laughs> 9 it's 30 late. p.m on a thursday that has felt like a friday all day so this is when i start coming alive for the first time all day so oh. I'm entering my <laughs> kayla and i are like ready to climb the wall yeah. i'm ready to everyone like else life. is like could not be me <laughs> yeah. um speaking of books a really cool thing is happening at ink 48 hotel in new york city which is in hell's kitchen so if you're in new york city this holiday season, you should definitely stop by their lobby because they've partnered with Book Fairies, which is an organization that um, helps get books to underserved communities through donations from people like you. So if you're cleaning out your books on your shelves, this is a perfect opportunity to donate them to a good cause and stop by and see a really cool display. They're looking for books uh for people of all ages so even if you have you know old YA titles that you don't want to reread you can drop those off Um, they just have to be published in the last 20 years and need to be gently used um, because these will be going to new readers so we can't be you know handing off moldy books (laughs) (laughs) and they also are requesting no encyclopedias magazines or faith-based books Yes. Yeah. And this is a cool way to like give back during the holiday season. I go through phases where I need to clear my shelves of books I either didn't like that much or I know I'll never realistically read. So an easy way to give back to the community. And minimalist lifestyle is, yeah. Who doesn't need less stuff? So they'll be collecting books in the lobby. And remember, it's a hotel. So that lobby is open all hours. So if you're, you know, hitting up the clubs and you have a book in your bag and you don't want any more, you can stop by 3 a.m. Perfect. But they are collecting books until January 3rd. So, hey, if grandma gives you a book you don't want to read, yeah, (laughs) you can stop by and donate Or if you get gifted a book that you already own. That's a better way to put it. Thank you. I mean, both are likely scenarios. Yeah. Whenever someone gifts me a book, I'm like, so brave. So (laughs) So brave. For sure. But yeah, if you stop by, you should definitely take a pic. I know we're going to be stopping by and dropping off some books and snapping a pic of that tree. So check it out. Right on. Another announcement um, in the holiday spirit. If you're looking for a gift for yourself or others, you should mosey on over to the Books in the City um, merch store and you might find a few new items that weren't there before. Yeah, it's a small business. Saturday. Monday. (laughs) What is it on Monday? There's something. Cyber Monday. Cyber 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 Monday. Monday. Perfect. Happy Cyber Monday. Oh, hey, also, 
uh don't forget wednesday is our book club oh right fan club book club meeting for all, all this could be different by sarah is that what it's called yeah all this could yeah. be different <laughs> by sarah thankum matthews i'm excited to talk about it it's weird well full disclosure i'm in the middle of it right now but by then i think i'll be done so <laughs> <laughs> well, sure hope so let's chat <clears throat> that'll be fun yeah sorry that's wednesday november 30th at 8 p.m and you know where to find the zoom link and if you don't it's patreon yeah. <laughs> that's it hey emily can i can i borrow the fish today yeah here catch <laughs> whoa you, have you guys seen that tiktok where it's like what's a bit that you're committed to doing in real life you guys are so committed to this bit <laughs> Oh. Just me and Emily. Yeah, yeah I've never been committed to it. Honestly. Oh my gosh, wait. Someone on the book crawl, if you're listening, she asked if we really had fish, and that means the world to me. Oh. <laughs> we do, yeah. I'm looking right at them. Well, anyway, thank you for letting me borrow the fish. The reason I like to borrow them is because, so backstory Kayla and I went to BravoCon, which, if you follow Kayla on instagram you know this information but three years ago today i was at the first bravo con oh wow isn't that wild that is wild did you just speak english <laughs> yeah three years ago today i was at the first bravo con <laughs> okay. she did isn't that wild <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway so we were at bravo con we went to well multiple tapings of watch what happens live but the one that we were at the one night the second it was the second one it doesn't matter yeah. which one it was but he br- andy so sorry th- i'm doing a terrible job so on Watch What Happens Live, Andy, like, does a bunch of goofy games. That's, like, the whole thing. And usually they're brand new games, but every now and then they'll, they'll be repeated. And at Watch What Happens Live at BravoCon, Andy moseys on out with a fishbowl full of questions. And I looked at Kayla and I was like, cease and desist. Like, yeah. you're stealing our thing. So the fish, a.k.a. Me, cease and desist, Andy <laughs> Cohen. <laughs> From Books in the City Pod <laughs> LLC. I this is a joke. <laughs> I want to be invited to the clubhouse. Yeah, this is a joke, and th- yeah, full disclosure, <laughs> we are now going to um, rip off one of the games from Watch What Happens Live, and if you've watched a recent episode, you'll know which one it is. But I'm not even going to get into that. This game that we're going to play on Books in the City is I've called Book or Bluff. <laughs> and I have compiled a list of book titles and I'm going to read them off and the girls are going to have to guess whether it is a real book or if it's made up. So if it's a are book or a bluff. Around? No, I think you should shout it out. Okay. So I am really excited about this because I was laughing at my desk putting these together today. And I don't have them up. <laughs> okay, ready? Let's start off with Aroused by Two Lions by Celia Stiles. Is this real? Lions? Or is this... Oh, I want it to be fake. Or lines. I bet you... Lions. I mean, they could all be lions. real. Like King? Aroused by Two Lions by Celia Stiles. Is this oh. a book or is it a bluff? <laughs> Oh, this is trickier than I thought it would be. I, it's probably a book. Book, a book. It's very specific. aroused by two lions. Yes, you yeah, are. Yeah, but she could be referring to the men as lions. I'm sure we're correct. Let's the hear humans as lions. Is this your final answer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're correct. This is a real book. Wow. 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 We have up. to look this up. <laughs> How did you find this? I. 
we're all on Goodreads. The fi- no, everybody put your phones away. I don't want you Googling these books. I'm just looking aroused by two lines. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful what you look for. Whoopi, what? What? Spot on with the men being lions. (laughs) Okay, you guys ready for the next one? You have to show us. Maybe I would like this. (laughs) Okay, keep going. Okay. Emily's (laughs) going to cover it on next week's episode. (laughs) Okay, ready? This one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's real lions and they're shirtless I, I, yeah it's like faces. really unclear if they're like metaphorical lions or if they're all <laughs> do they turn into yeah, lions like are they, the, there's like something. two torsos and two lions really something okay it's moving like on twilight. moving on I think you guys are gonna like this one <laughs> ducks and how to make them pay by William <laughs> Cook <laughs> That's real. Is it a book or yeah. is it a bluff? I think yeah. <laughs> These are highly <laughs> specific. <laughs> book. Okay. Is that your final answer? Yeah. yeah. You're correct. That is a real book. It wow. is, and it was published <laughs> in 1890. Oh. Yeah. Make those what ducks were pay. What is that? <laughs> like tickets to paradise? Or? Oh my god. Okay. The next one. Martin and Billy: The Story of a Boy from Glosh, Gloucester. How do you mm. say it? Oh, Gloucester. I don't know. I could say it right in my head, but I can't actually say right? it. The, that English place. Gloucester. And his 73-year-old tortoise by Bill Gresham Jepson. Is this okay, a let's think about the climate. <laughs> what type of climate does a tortoise need? First of all, book, it was such a book. long title that Libby's Becky read can it. pronounce <laughs> it. <laughs> She's not <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm covering tonight. <laughs> you have a tattoo of it, right? <laughs> just the title. Okay, what is your final answer for this? Yes, one? I guess book. Book. You are wrong. That is fake. Oh, Libby. She pulled. She pulled out. Oh leg. my god. Sorry. Wait. Say the title again. Libby's <laughs> <laughs> like, I read that. I know that book. <laughs> Martin and Billy: The Story of a Boy from Gloucester and His <laughs> Seventy-Three. <laughs> How did you make this up? <laughs> Which one's His the tortoise, Martin or Billy? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you interpolated from a real book that you must have come across. No, actually, my coworker came up with this one, and she actually knows Martin and Billy, <laughs> and they do have, they did have a seventy-three-year-old tortoise. Well, it's just a book in the future that somebody someone to write. <laughs> Were they from Gloucester, though? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, ready t- for the next one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ghost of a Chance by Jane Ann Krentz. I say fake. Well, that seems like the most bland bluff. I mean, book. What's your final answer? Ghost of a Chance. Ghost of a Chance by Jane N. Krentz. We haven't said fake yet. I'm saying fake. Hi, my name's Emily. I'm saying <laughs> fake. Okay, okay. bluff. Bluff, bluff is your final answer? Do we have to be unanimous? I'm just wondering. Oh, bluff, um, yeah. Bluff. Okay, you are incorrect. This is a real book. God damn it. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. Libby went on record saying it's the most bland <laughs> book title she's ever heard. Okay, ready bland? for the next one? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The Impatient New Age by Steve Klug. Bluff. Bluff, because Klug sounds yeah, like his a name's fake weird. weird. Klug. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. Klug. It is fake. <laughs> oh, we got Yay. one right. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Ding ding. Uh, um, what was that title? <laughs> I literally. <laughs> okay. The Stand In Virgin by Connie Brown. I bet you that's real. Uh, uh, yeah. Book. Book. Nope, that one's <gasps> fake. Wow. <laughs> you got us. Ooh. 
fucked. <laughs> okay, The Llama Death by Betty <laughs> Webb. <laughs> oh, <Buck>. no. <laughs> I think of bluff. bluff. It is a book. Wow. The Llama oh, no. Death. <laughs> I'm so bad at this game. The lom- the llama of death. <laughs> That's even worse. Of death? I have to look that up. <laughs> the okay. llama it's of death. It's a thriller death. at a petting zoo. <laughs> okay. it. Next one. The Wrong Viscount by Lucille Henry. Oh, Viscount. Oh, real. Oh, Viscount. Real. <laughs> real. Yeah. That one's fake. What? Okay. I want to read it. good. <laughs> Okay. It's about Anthony Bridgerton. <laughs> I think we got one right. Well, Kale got two right. Oh my god, it's a gun zoo mystery. <laughs> wow. wow. That llama does look scary. Oh. The llama of death. It okay, next ominous. one. Damn. And on the eighth day, God created hairdressers by Arnetta Scales. Book. Yeah, book. Book. <laughs> yeah, that is a, a fun title. <laughs> yeah. Same with the name of the author. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Guests of the Explosion by Jaylee Phillips. Jaylee? What do we yeah. think of <laughs> I say... Book? I say bluff. I think bluff. That's like... What is... You're correct. It is fake. Damn I did. It. it is a bluff. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got no barometer. Guests okay. of the Explosion. Yep. The next one. Second to last one. I gave you my heart, but you sold it online by Dixie Cash. <laughs> That is fake. That's a bluff. Is that a Dixie Chicks reference? It is not a Dixie, Dixie Chicks Cash. reference. Oh. I think Don't trust me. I gave so you my heart, but you sold it online by Dixie Cash. It reminds Cash. me of last Christmas. But you're correct. That is a bluff. Oh, no. <laughs> Dixie Cash. I got swindled. What a name. No, yeah, I lied. Really. It's not the last one. The second to last. Okay. Revenge of the Sea by Alex Perkins. Buck. Buck. Bluff. Or maybe bluff because that's an easy fake title to come up with. <laughs> it is a bluff. <laughs> I was wrong the whole time. <laughs> Just say with the opposite of yeah, what Emily whatever says. Emily says it's the opposite. <laughs> I have no gut instincts for book titles. Okay, we have my favorite one now. No, he's not a monkey. He's an ape and he's my son. <laughs> that is that's a, a book. book. That's a book. By H- Hester Mundus. That's yes, a book. <laughs> Hester <laughs> Mundus sounds like she would say that. <laughs> Hester would. She's got no, apes all over. No, he's not a monkey. No, he's not a monkey. He's an ape and he's my son. How did you find that book? <laughs> the good old Google. I want to read it. <clears throat> the last one. Descendants and Foes by Celia Her- Harrington. Descendants and Foes by Celia Harrington. Didn't we already have a Celia? Book. Oh, did we? Wasn't the first one? Aroused by Two Lions by Celia Styles. Huh. Oh, wow. But this is Celia Harrington. I think I say, say bluff. bluff. I think book. It is a bluff. Oh. oh wow. And that, my friends, was the end of our game. <laughs> Wait, I love <laughs> it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> she made it on word art. It's got to be self <laughs> I feel really bad for that monkey. I mean, ape. I <laughs> mean, son. Let him go back to his real mom. Um, I thought for sure there'd be Chuck Tingle titles on here. Do you know Chuck Tingle? <laughs> no. Okay, wait. Let me pull up some. This was really hard because there were so many really funny real titles, but I knew that like it would start to become like the crazier the title, the more likely you would guess that it was real. And that's how it did play out. Um, I can't believe it's Viscount. Wow. You learn something you new every day. You know if you watch Bridgerton. Yeah, I yeah. don't. The Count. 
Okay, let's let's look up Gloucestershire. What's everybody's favorite title? <laughs> Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire. Okay. The thing is that I'm not good at accents, so in my head, I can is say it, it Gloucester. Gloucestershire. Every, everyone, go around. Let's let's hear your best. What's what do you think it is, Becky? Well, we heard her say Gloucester. It. What do you think yours is? I have said it seven different ways. To Gloucestershire. The shire. Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire. No, and I was going to say Cheshire. The whole thing is it's like Gloucester. you just toss it away. Every time there's shire, it's like sh- sure. Gloucester. It's like barely there. Gloucester. What is it? It is Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire. We were all wrong. Toss it away. <laughs> Gloucestershire. Amazing. Okay. okay, this is so one example of a Chuck Tingle book. Sorry, it took me so long to find. Scary stories to tingle your butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's real. It's <laughs> oh, no. real, yeah. Is it meant for adults? He's written, yeah, it is. It's this author. He's incredible. And nobody's seen his face. <laughs> and he writes erotica. Amazing. I will say I did this Google crazy book titles on my work computer and I regret it. <laughs> did you get any check? The, here's another one. Helicopter man pounds dinosaur billionaire ass. What? <laughs> These are all going to pop up on it's your book. rogue Goodreads account. <laughs> <laughs> here's another one. Last one I'll say. I'm so sorry. Buttception. A butt within a butt within a butt. Why? <laughs> <laughs> He's a really pure man. Well, that was fun. Yeah, Yeah, it was just as fun fun as I thought it would be. Let us know on Instagram um, how you did. Yeah. Playing along at home. Did you do better than me or worse? Please (laughs) do worse. We weren't keeping score, but you guys are all winners in my book. I think we did pretty well. I mean, not Emily. (laughs) 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 I did fine. We were good. I will say, Libby there in the end was going the opposite way of you guys, so. Well... Good thing I'm not in book title publishing because I have no instincts. You know what? This is a great segue, even though I'm last. But my book's title today could potentially, people may think it's a fake title. Oh. My book title inspired one of the fake book titles. Oh. Oh. My book title. And none of us are first. (laughs) And Libby's. Libby, (laughs) what do you got for us? It's my turn. Um. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking Bring about the mood down. I'm talking about a book called "Tender Is the Flesh" by Augustina Pastorica, uh, translated by Sarah Moses. So, okay. Oh, and this came out in 2017 in Argentina, but was published in 2020 in the U.S. Or that's when the translation was published. And I'm so sorry, but it's about cannibals. Um. So just everyone know that going in uh i know emily talked about some cannibalism on the pod recently multiple times actually yeah more than one yeah maybe i don't know (laughs) but it's really like kind of have in pop culture right now too which Mm -hmm. is scary and which is why off the pod i said i told the girls because i've said before on the podcast nothing's too dark for me but because of the recent uptick in cannibalism pop culture it reminded me that I dr- I draw the line at cannibalism. cannibalism. That's that's too dark for me. The one thing you can't do. Yeah. Fair. Good to know. Um, okay, you would not do very well in this world of this book um, because Tender as the Flesh is set in this dystopian near future world. It's in the aftermath of this virus that like kind this was spooky too but you get the sense that it like swept through the population very quickly and like life as we knew it changed overnight but 
in this case, the virus infected um, animals, either killing them off in like mass extinction, extinction or rendering the animals who survived like poisonous if humans eat the meat. So oh. that's the kind of virus we're dealing with here. But um, our narrator in the book and main character, his name's Marcos, and he spends the beginning of the book reflecting on this like period of time and remembering like it it was like actually really creepy to read this not just because you knew it was headed toward cannibalism but also because he's talking about like misinformation in the media around the virus and how like you know government entities or just like businesses and things are like realizing there's financial gain to be made from all of it and like capitalizing on that and um yeah it was just it's very like covid feeling um which was wild to read in argentina in 2017 but then the translation published here in 2020 so and like i think summer 2020 so like it had already been in the works before before covid wild anyway i wonder if like it was pushed back at all yeah i wonder too yeah, they did push a lot of books back. <laughs> what a time. Um, okay, so yeah, Marcos, the main character and narrator, is like reflecting on this and um, talking about how quickly the government specifically adapted. And they they called it a transition um, where through this transition, they decided they were going to start pushing a new product called Special Meat. Which was human meat. Oh. So that's fun. Um, Wait, what's that movie where in the end they're like, it's people. Okay, spoiler. Oh. No. No? Well, to for the movie, which <laughs> is something green. Something green. Is it a comedy? No. Continue. Continue. I'll come back to this. Wow, I'm not following <laughs> what, what you're saying. <laughs> I know. That's why I just continue. Okay, but anyway, so the, the, like, transition and, like, the special meat and all of that, I'm, like, using air quotes because there's... Soylent Green. The movie Soylent Green. At the end, they're like, Soylent Green is people. Spoiler alert. Cool. <laughs> In case I wanted to watch Can't that. wait to check that out. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a fake of love. <laughs> it's real, okay? <laughs> and then somebody made a, a, a meal replacement and called it Soylent, and it's so upsetting to me. Anyway. Please okay. go on. But there's all this like coded language around all of this in this new society. Like you, it's so taboo to say that you're eating people. Like you would never say that mm. in a million years. And like the language that they use. So I'll get into this more, but Marcos um, works in like a processing plant that used to be for animals. Ooh. And then post transition is they had to adapt and Where so are they getting the people so they call there's just all this like language around their how they're breeding oh. the oh people but God. they don't call them people there's like heads who are the male like yeah the, it's wild and he marcos is really tapped into that um too he's an interesting person to narrate it because he's like before this outbreak worked with his dad in this animal processing plant 
er, and slaughterhouse. It's like involved in slaughter and processing. And then during the transition, his dad got dementia, but also kind of like started to lose it. And it sounds like a lot of people in society were just like unable to cope with the horrors of what was happening. Fair enough. So his Marcos has to put his dad like in a home because he's not able to take care of him. But then he kind of also then needs to keep this plant open to keep earning an income to pay for his father's care. And there's all this messed up stuff about like bodies, people after they die and like ensuring that their bodies are like respected and not eaten and like all of this he's like paying top dollar for care because Mm -hmm. there's like this black market for you know people in the society too it's wild I'm I'm kind of being all over the place sorry but yeah the the language part of it was so interesting um just to read and especially coming from Marcos who's like a little skeptical well very like horrified by all of it but also just like here we are this is like the way it is did they try to eat like soybeans first or i'm so this was interesting (laughs) yeah they were like no birds there's like um a second where marcos is reflecting on like the uh i guess equivalent of fda because it's set in argentina but Mm. talking about how like actually plants and vegetables have been making you sick and like this because there's like so much profit to be made off mm-hmm. of clearly this meat mm. kind of thing. So it reminded me of like, I, w- I read this for a book club and brought this up during the book club and I feel like I lost people, but <laughs> w- growing up, I, it was such a thing of like drink milk. You have to drink milk. Oh, yeah. milk yeah. makes yeah. you strong. Yeah. Turns out that was just milk lobbyists. Like yeah. I saw yeah. recently it was like the got milk campaign, how it, it's one of the most successful campaigns that ever happened and i'm gonna totally mess it up but it was this whole twitter thread and it was like the milk people basically weren't making enough money so they brought in this huge pr agency yeah and got milk was everywhere that's crazy my i school. don't drink milk because my grandma would make me drink it because i would break my arm so much oh. and she was like you need milk no we had it like breakfast dinner oh like same. dinner we had to have it have for dinner, dinner no matter what we had yeah taco night milk yeah, yeah. spaghetti night we milk. Had milk. it was yeah. the most horrifying thing every, i've ever seen we had every coke night. <laughs> <laughs> or water lucky you but anyway so i kind of got the like because in my mind i was like right why aren't people just like farming and becoming vegetarian but there i feel like there would be you know aggressive campaigns against like i don't know misinformation spreading like wildfire Here's the thing none of us actually go ahead and like farm the food that we're given yeah. so if they decide at the top that they don't want to provide something yeah. it's like you as a consumer that's very scary yeah you have no choices really right so anyway because Marcos like works in the line of work that he does, I'll just I'll just say that you get extremely detailed accounts of like the slaughter and so much more information than you ever wanted. But I it also like while I was reading it, I was like obviously disgusted and horrified, but could not look away because 
the whole book made me think so much about so many different things, but it's also just like such a, I don't know, like the, it's like dystopian taken to a new level because it's Mm -hmm. like the way that she writes it, it's like, this feels like it could happen even though it's the craziest thing I've ever yeah. read mm. which is so eerie and like upsetting to read That's do you think they're trying to get people to be vegetarian <laughs> I think it's like partially meat consumption also I think it's partially like capitalism and like also a lot of other yeah themes but yeah I mean it definitely I feel like beef is such a huge part of Argentina's yeah too. like I think they are a big <coughs> producer of beef and right. cattle. That and was stuff. another yeah, we at my book club we talked about that too, just like how in I don't know, certain like countries or cultures it would be really jarring to like completely cut meat out of a diet, which probably plays into like yeah, why this adapted in this way. Anyway, um it's I would not recommend reading this book while you're eating i tried <laughs> i tried to do that <laughs> once and i had to stop and it was bad um i'm being kind of intentionally vague about like the actual story because i f- i think there's a lot of plot developments that lead to this like domino effect of really wild twists and right up until like tr- literally the last sentence so wow. it's i f- i finished the book and was just like open-mouthed for like 30 seconds didn't know what to do and then like reread the last paragraph and just like sat there again for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. so it's that kind of ending and like all the plot points lead up to that so I'm I'm like not actually saying what's what happened in the book I guess but um yeah I just think it raised so many interesting questions about like me consumption but also like functioning in a society that has these completely like is just like morally bankrupt but then like how you survive and exist in that kind of society and like what like yeah that kind of like ethical questions around I don't know just like living in something so um terrifying yeah I, yeah and it's like objectively unethical but then everyone around you has is just buying into it yeah. and so you're just like it's like this weird space of like how can you function or even like be a moral person in like that kind of environment yeah um interesting yeah i've been thinking about it a lot since i finished it and yeah also i think it would be like it'd be different if you're like a kid and then you like grew up and yeah, it's all you you know. yeah. but so it's like for the people who were like ah only well, two years ago i was eating regular pro- like regular yeah. animals well, <laughs> no i'm eating so people marcos has a niece and a nephew he has a sister in the book and his the uh, his sister's kids like grew up kind of only knowing this and their like dark sense of humor is just like it's it's also yeah all of the characters that I mean Marcos himself and then everyone he interacts with is kind of just like adapted it's like everyone has to be so like 
detached and removed mm-hmm. from the idea of like what you're eating <laughs> and like what yeah. that means in terms of like murder. That's already an interesting idea because I am so far detached from a like a chicken that yeah. I can't even handle raw chicken breast. <laughs> yeah. So then imagine a society where yeah. like you're walking around. Yeah. It's, it's really wild. I was going to try and figure out a way to like fit meaty into my notes but it's a meaty <laughs> thinker wow. that's yeah. seamless yeah just just a lot a lot to think about um but yeah fair warning it's i mean may, this should have maybe been at the beginning but it's like i mean you really started warning off for by saying it's about cannibals so yeah people that know. but also like assault rape mm. Mm. uh yeah everything a lot yeah it's a dark one but and then like kind of like darkly funny sometimes and yeah it's it's really interesting I feel like she really pulled off something nice great here I really fall for books like that what did you rate it I guess probably five stars huh it sounds like it yeah the way you're talking about it five stars oh wow it only has three point eight eight on Goodreads I did read. Never mind, actually. I don't want to I feel like that. sometimes when the subject matter is so much, people, like, yeah, it, it skews how you rate things. Like, yeah. you can't get past that. Yeah. I saw one review on Goodreads, and it was, like, funny to me because it was, like, why is nobody talking about how this virus is so unrealistic? Like, this would never happen. And I'm, like, that's not the point. Like, <laughs> what? Move move on. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I definitely gave it five stars. I'll nice. probably reread it. It was really wild. Um, yeah, it was. Anyway. When we're done, can you tell me everything? I don't yeah. want to be here. <laughs> I want to read it. I can, but uh, yeah. Okay. What was that book? Oh, uh, that was called Tender is the Flesh by Augustina Basterica. Basterica. Um, translated by Sarah Moses. Becky, what'd you read? Okay, so I read Skin of the Sea by <gasps> Natasha Bowen. So Revenge of the Sea was your fake? Revenge of the Sea was my... <laughs> Love it. My uh, knockoff of this. So this came out in November of 2021. And yeah, this book was so good. It's a YA fantasy based on West African mythology. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil the author's note, not the book, the author's note. Um, she loved The Little Mermaid as a kid. And she always wanted a story with a black mermaid. So she wrote it herself. Um, and now the Little Mermaid is black, and so that's really cool. Wait, what was the title again? Sorry, Skin of, of the, the Sea book Skin or the, the fake one? <laughs> okay, so there's this Skin romance series in partnership with Disney, and romance. Yeah, and the but I'm gonna swoop it back around. <laughs> the first one was Cinderella, and it was the author of Dumplin', oh, yeah. and then Jasmine Guillory did Beauty and the Beast, and the next one is Little the Little Mermaid, and now I'm wondering if it's this author. Oh, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, um, I read, so I read 90% of this book physically and I wanted to stay up last night so bad and finish the whole book, but I cannot stay awake when it is late and I'm trying to read. I literally like fell asleep with the book on my, on myself. Wow. So you didn't finish it, Becky? Wow. No, she said, let me finish my sentence. Can you see her Instagram story of her reading on the subway? The, the (laughs) thing that happened is I got the audio book and finished the last 10% via audiobook and the reason that I'm bringing this up is because I really recommend the audiobook there are a lot of African names and language in this book 
And it's really nice to hear the pronunciations correctly and not just like, I think we all do that thing where when you read a book, like how I said the Viscount earlier, <laughs> it's because I've only ever seen it written and I've never said it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's helpful sometimes to hear it. So, yeah. So our main character is Simi and she is a mommy Wata, which is, oh. if you read The Water Dancer, um, no. that's in that book. Um but Mami Wata is a water spirit or a mermaid in this book. Um, they're created by Yamoja, who is an Orisha in the... Um, I literally wrote a lot of phonetic pronunciation down so that I wouldn't screw this up, and I'm still screwing it up. Yoruba religion, is that right? Yoruba? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's the goddess of water, Yamoja is. And in this book, which I don't... From my research after, I did a lot of like Wikipedia digging... Um, because there's a lot of different things in this book, but I don't think this is the original story, but in this book, she creates seven of the mermaids whose mission it is to follow slave ships and collect the souls of the people who die on the water. That's a bummer. And so I won't reveal how Simi becomes a mermaid because I think it's a really interesting way that the author reveals this information. Um, But I will say that she was once human, and then is turned into a mermaid. Hmm. Um, Can she like yes. hop back and forth? Yes. <laughs> cool. So when she's in the water, she has fins in the Very traditional. <laughs> yeah, the traditional mermaid characteristics that you think of when you think of a mermaid, and so bottom half fish. Yeah, and so when she's <laughs> in the water, she doesn't remember her past <gasps> as a human. <gasps> and but sometimes what? something like she'll be collecting the soul of somebody, and something about their because she'll see like different flashes of their life and sh- something will like be really familiar to her and she's like i can't put my finger on it oh. is she immortal i'm not answering okay. anything <laughs> so i'm gonna read it that's a yes <laughs> for example in the book it opens up with see finding a woman collecting her soul and seeing their memories and the all of this is reminding her of her mother and so um her job is to collect these souls bring them to M- yamoja and bless them on their journey to the supreme god so that is all she is supposed to be doing but then one day she sees someone fall into the water and she goes to collect their soul and she finds out that he's still alive Mm -hmm. and so again her only job is to collect the souls not save lives but for some reason this one is different to her and is he cute yes he is Mm -hmm. um that'll do it so she breaks the biggest rule there is she saves his life and then reveals herself as a mermaid to him because she's literally trying to save his life. And he comes to seeing her changing from mermaid to person with legs. It's like aquamarine. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little. When she breaks this rule, she puts uh, Yamoja and all of the other seven Mamiwata that Yamoja created in danger. And the only way to make it right is to go collect these two rings. And I'm going to be really vague about all the, the stuff that she has to do because the way she finds out and all of that is a really good. She has really to go good. on a hero's journey. She has to go on a hero's journey. And she has to collect these two rings that can be used to summon the Supreme God and ask for forgiveness. And the human that she saved knows where the rings are. And so they set of off course. together to go back to his village and find the rings and along the way they encounter all these other mythical creatures all these this danger like there are riddles that they have to solve they have to like go on you know there's a lot of sailing in this book i actually forgot to write this in the notes but i did write it in my phone as i was reading i like stopped to write this down so i'm gonna 
live the raw notes straight for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Sound? Okay, two. Okay, live this is I have straight right, right notes straight for you. <laughs> okay, these notes are kind of unhinged, but anyway, <laughs> there is a lot of <laughs> sailing in the book, and that was really fun for me because um, they were accurate. You know, like a lot of times you read a book and there, I don't like know, I don't sail. No, 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 no. <laughs> no but like any nice. sort of kind of niche hobby or yeah, anything yeah. when they talk about it or like science, they usually <laughs> probably talk about it vaguely because yeah. they don't really know. Yeah. But this author really um, was correct. And she then there was a scene seen. where they were all taking different watches on the boat and the person whose watch it was fell asleep, which is a very big no, no. Anyway, Ooh. the unhinged part is I wrote, <laughs> is this a trope or what? But <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay <laughs> what? is there more <laughs> yes <laughs> I, wrote, is it, I wrote specifically in spongebob why <laughs> oh, wait what's the trope <laughs> what I get it. There. i'm getting there let okay. me laugh okay <laughs> let me laugh <laughs> but i remember in multiple childhood movies but specifically in spongebob there would be always be a scene where like they're letting their pet go or something and they stand there and they go just leave can't you see i don't want you anymore well, you air bus. <laughs> that happens in airbud yeah that happens in like get out of here yeah why did they do that i don't <laughs> i i miss that but they're like crying <laughs> and they're actually really sad about it yeah, but then they'd dude. be like just get out of here can't you see i don't want you anymore so it was spongebob and spongebob and does that to at tiffany's is, to it, his is this snail, to snail. Gary? gary yes gary. he does it to gary you're right breakfast at tiffany's. oh he, that's a good episode when he does i remember gary. now he does it to gary and then gary has like a whole life yeah okay. and it was so fun <laughs> gary, we're, getting good for gary. we're getting sidetracked but that was one of the things i wrote down in my notes because that scene happens but i'm not going to tell you why obviously Wait, she does that to who? No, I'm not telling anything. Oh, well, there's a pet. Why'd you bring it? Up? Cool. Question: Does she find SpongeBob? <laughs> I really should not have brought up SpongeBob. <laughs> she's down there collecting the souls, and she spots a pineapple under the sea. Okay, but yeah. this is a good segue because, like I was saying, there were lots of other. I'm like saying this like you guys brought up the segue, but it was <laughs> yeah, she's like, get on <laughs> topic, guys. Yeah, you shut up. I actually for hate SpongeBob. I'll happily move on. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, um, as I was saying, there are lots of other mythical creatures in danger and like they go on missions and stuff. And a special shout out. Um, obviously, well, hang on. Obviously, there's romance. Right. That's pretty clear. Um, but a special shout out to my favorite creature. And I don't even want to call them creatures because they're not really the oh, Yumbos. Oh. So they're these fairies. They're like um, the mythology comes from Senegal and they're two feet tall, which yeah, is adorable. It's so cute. And the way they're described in this book made me so happy. Like, I was just imagining the cutest little... They're so cute. Anyway, I love them. And, like, they're... What they do... They, they These little guys, they dance in the moonlight and have outlandish dinner parties. I uh, love that. It's you. What? <laughs> Wait, here I am, two feet tall. <laughs> To be fair, I am I the really shortest. really like that one. <laughs> I am the shortest one of the group, so <laughs> they're so cute. That's beautiful. Um, but to bring down the mood, when I was sorry, they live in the sea. Or they live in on a, a hill. <laughs> <laughs> the pineapple oh made me laugh. Oh. Um, they live like 
based on the Wikipedia search, they live on like a hill, but in the book, they're in like the forest, but right by the sea. Oh, okay. cute. Okay. And they like sail and catch fish, but they also steal corn from humans, like specifically corn. And they love corn. Oh, um, that? The last thing I'll say about the Yumbos on the Wikipedia page, it says that JK wrote them into JK wrote them into Pottermore, JK Rowling, not to be on a first name basis with her. Um, and she made them African house elves, which in the context of this book makes me so angry. It does not sit right with me. But I guess th- in Pottermore, she also made them like the mascot of like the Quidditch team for Senegal. So, but it's still not, it's not the vibe. And she made them spiteful and angry. But I did read that there are some iterations of them where they're spiteful and angry. But anytime mm-hmm. there's like an elf, I feel like they could create mischief like yeah, fairies they're yeah. fairies so but if you read this book for nothing else read them for the yumbos because it's good <laughs> anyway to wrap this up that's the pet uh, <gasps> it's not a pet it, they're a little human well are they humanoid <laughs> i don't know how to describe them i was but picturing them as like furry no 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 like. they're like they're like they have silver hair and they're oh. like tiny does she become close to the yumbo i'm they're not like saying the they're like the things they're young. Like also her magic. Oh, oh maybe. Oh, and they have helpers who like serve the food at the dinner parties and they're they're just floating hands they're and feet. Oh cute. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, I'm gonna wrap it up now. But <laughs> <laughs> I loved this book. Um I'm definitely gonna read the next one. It's a duology, so I'm excited. Is it's it only gonna be the two? I believe so. Oh, that's nice. That I saw on Goodreads, somebody says, like, is this the first book in the series? And the author responded and said, it's the first book in the duology. So. I mean, nice in the sense that they're both out, so you could get yeah, them done now and right not, now. like, I'm reading the third in the series right now, and I had some Google recaps today. Yeah, I could mm. start it right away, which I, it, mm, I won't say that. I'll just say it ended in a way that makes me want to immediately pick up the next book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm giving it five stars. Wow. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Like, I all of the mythology this. is really yeah. interesting. If you're into Greek mythology, I think you'll be into this because it's it reminded me of it in the way of, like, there's, like, a god who's been banished to the bottom of the sea and he can't leave the bottom of the sea. And there's, like, mm. a kind of a god who's the messenger between, like, all the other gods and the supreme god. And mm. he's, like a bad guy and like mm, that's fun there's all you you learn about how like different parts of africa have different like ancestral gods and so like our main character she has one and then like the guy who she saved has her his own like ancestral god that he knows a lot about it's very 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 interesting and it, it kind of dives deep into all of that so yeah cool. that was skin of the sea by natasha bowen and skin of the sea actually it there's a line in the book where that comes into play so emily what did you read okay i read white magic by Alyssa washuda um and i actually listened to it as an audiobook and my only caveat is i think if you can get your hands on a physical copy it might make a little more sense in terms of processing the form because this is an essay collection and they're all like interwoven but there were parts that were read out loud that were um they didn't make a ton of sense I think they would have seemed more like clear on the page um so yes well actually I'm gonna look up the cover I think I know of this book 
Okay, so before I begin, a content warning for sexual assault, alcohol addiction, and mental illness. And, uh, okay, so I didn't write a ton of notes, but our author is, she was inspired to write the collection because she said she had a horrible breakup and then she became a powerful witch. And that's Mm -hmm. like the premise of the whole essay collection is she's like powering through this breakup where she was in love with somebody and it didn't work out and she's also like exploring the um ins and outs of the occult and like spiritualism and magic as like a practice almost like wicca uh and the author is a native author she's part of the Kalitz indian tribe and a lot of the interesting parts of the essay collection are when she explores like the intersection of colonialism with this like tradition of magic or like practice of magic like it opens up discussing how oh now like occult spiritualist things like rose quartz and like hippie stuff are like promoted by white women on instagram when like my ancestors used to get put in reformation camps for the same thing and it's like um she speaks really like well about kind of like inherited trauma in a way that I think really pairs well with like the practice of magic or at least her like perception of it and there were just cool parts where she was talking about how um even the definition of like white magic versus dark magic is interesting like white magic in mythology is kind of like oh like good garden magic like practical magic and dark magic is like bringing up dead bodies or something but she was like like practical magic yeah (laughs) like the like the back end of practical (laughs) magic um and she's like i don't know if i agree with that because dark magic is always trying to practice getting what you want and isn't that the whole point of magic after all interesting so that's an interesting thing but what sticks out to me is she writes very very specifically about these really precise cultural references and then she like discussed them and uh, for example she talked about how a formative experience for her was watching like the claymation of mark twain like mark <laughs> twain's claymation that's very specific and i go i looked it up so and it's it? no i i just looked at it's like that 80s creepiness i've never seen the movie yeah. but she described like what happens in the book and these children are like claymation children and it's based on mark twain's story and he was obsessed at the end of his life with like a cult type things like oh like the the moon and the stars aligning and he like wrote this story about going to meet satan because like everyone close to him had died or something and that idea paired with like the claymation aspect of it and like in the claymation i guess the satan like removes different faces and tries them on and i was like why were the 80s obsessed with people tearing off their faces did anyone see return to oz anyways but i was like that's an interesting cultural touchstone but she also talks about how she grew up in new jersey and there's a place called jenny jump falls which i've never heard of and she talks about how the origin of the name was like that an um white girl was like being chased by natives and she jumped or something or uh actually let me let me look into this some girl named jenny jumped 
Oh, no. Okay. I fucked that up. Okay. This is the legitimate legend of this place that's a real place in New Jersey called Jenny Jump Falls. Legend has it that long ago, the Mincy tribe of the Lenny Lenape ambushed a young girl, Jenny, and her father along a mountain's edge. And to save his daughter's purity, Jenny's father yelled, jump, Jenny, jump. And she jumped. So the author, like, talked about how... Like, why was there this feeling of, like, native aggressors and, like, being super violent when it was, like, the colonists that came in and incited the violence? And she also investigate like, explores the idea of why are we obsessed with immortalizing, like, sacrificial women? Like, she's like, isn't this macabre that there's this place called Jenny Jump Falls? And I totally agree. And the other thing that she talks about a lot is Twin Peaks. And if you've never watched to the end of Twin Peaks, then maybe you like, maybe this won't be as fun for you. But the end of Twin Peaks is like notoriously weird. And actually she talks about the end. So if you don't want it to be spoiled, then you shouldn't maybe read all the essays. But um, Twin Peaks gets like metaphysical And I think, like, her talking about, like, different, feeling like she's in two places at once or, like, different timelines. I don't know. She has this, like, spirituality that I think is really interesting. And she talks very easily about her native identity and how, like, the history of colonization has really, like, informed the way that she's treated to this day. Uh, She talked about playing Oregon Trail as, like, a kid, the video game, and recognizing, like, how screwed up it was like some of the prompts that you were told to do and some of the people were like native people and they were like wow um like don't over hunt in the area like don't butcher the bison that was like a prompt I didn't play Oregon Trail so I don't know but it was like don't over hunt don't over hunt and then you like run into a native person and they're like our children are dying from your pestilence and I was like they put that in the video game and apparently they did and she's also really interested in Stevie Nicks, and so am I. <laughs> and she uses, like, the comparison of how Stevie Nicks and um, Lindsey Buckingham, like, talk about their, like, ties to each other. Like, they're not romantic anymore, but they're, like, always going to be involved. So, like, there's always going to be a connection. She uses that to kind of explain how she feels connected to her ex, basically, and... I'm not explaining it really well, but she just talks really, she has really interesting life experiences, very traumatic life experiences, but she speaks about them with like a pop culture frame. That's really, I don't know. I keep thinking about it. I learned a lot. There were a lot of like national landmarks I'd never heard of that she talks about in the book. And she had once, so she moved to the Pacific Northwest. And if you're from the Pacific Northwest, I think you'd enjoy this book and a lot of the references. And she talked about how she was, like, the author in residence of, like, the Fremont Bridge at one point. And it was, like, a position to be the author of in residence there. Like, she had to apply. And as part of it, her application, she, like, describes how the Native people's, like, believed in this like snake god that resided there and she was like I wonder how building the bridge impacted that native spirit 
like where did it go and that was like her job while she was riding at the Fremont Bridge which was really cool so I don't know if you're kind of like into like the craft (laughs) but also (laughs) learning about how like native peoples have been oppressed in America and kind of how that still impacts everyone today and also if you or like the type of person that listens to breakup songs. <laughs> or you like practical magic. I think you would like this. Uh, it did remind me a bit of um, Her Body and Other Parties, I think. As mm-hmm. like a story collection. It's not as scary. Because um, it's all like first person. Um, or in the dream house, I guess is more like accurate. Like it's it's like a memoir. But it's not like this happened and this happened and this happened like there's a lot of exploration so yeah this is called white magic by Alyssa washuda what did you rate it i gave it four out of five i might have enjoyed it more if i had like been able to see what she was talking about but anyways look up like claymation satan he's really scary (laughs) 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 uh kayla what'd you read Okay, I read I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Dare I say, one of the hottest books of the year. Um, I don't think you have to dare. (laughs) Okay, content warning. Anorexia, bulimia, narcissist parent, emotional abuse, manipulation, just like it, she puts it all out there and it was very upsetting to read, I think, obviously, and I was able to relate to some bits of her childhood and it hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting. So obviously I'm going to talk about myself because it wouldn't be me if I didn't do that. But I hadn't seen anyone really talk about that online before picking it up. And so I was kind of like not expecting how I felt reading this. So I'm going to put it out there. So maybe someone who's been through some things will feel more prepared. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't have notes. I have bullet points. I just could not bring myself to write notes about this book. I don't, I really don't know why I've had like a crazy week. So I think part of it was like my headspace, but this is probably going to be all over the place and whatever. We're going to go with it. I'm going to do my best. Okay. So I, even before I picked this book up, when I heard it was coming out, I was like, I'm not going to read it because we've talked about this before on the podcast. Like I was a Disney Channel girl. I wasn't as into Nickelodeon. I know, I know Jeanette McCurdy. I grew up with her on my TV because like iCarly was like a neutral show since I have a brother and a sister. And then my mom like raised the kids across the street from us who were younger than us. And they were like, sweet spot for iCarly into Sam and Cat. so like I just have so many memories of me walking in the door like after school or work or something and like the kids are on the couch watching Jeanette McCurdy on my tv so like I'm very familiar with her in that sense but I never liked her enough for like I never followed her on Instagram I was never interested in her outside of like watching her be Sam I also didn't really like the character of Sam so (laughs) I was just I don't know I was more into like Jonas Brothers, Hannah Montana, whatever. That being said, I feel bad that I used to not like her because I am just so impressed and blown away by her. I could not put this book down. I made the horrible mistake of starting it at like 1130 at night and I was going into the office the next day and I had to force myself to stop. And then the next day I like I could not stop thinking about it at work. I read it on my lunch break 
I finished it after work that night. My eyes were like so tired. They were like closing, but I made myself stay awake because like I just, I needed to keep going. Um, And I think the most obvious thing about this book is that the title is so jarring. When I posted that I was reading it, my mom like responds to my Instagram stories as if it's something that I texted her. So she was like that title like and I knew she would say something and like there has been like I've seen people saying things about the title online most of them are mothers um and I've watched a bunch of interviews of Jeanette which I'll touch on at the end but like she you can just watch her talk about the title because she'll do a better job of it but like it's I think it's touch it touches on the stark humor that she has about her trauma and when you read this book you will understand why she says I'm glad my mom died. Um, also for content warning, like death of a parent and her mom did have cancer. So that's a big part of it as well. Okay. So I'm going to start with her mom. So Jeanette grew up with three older brothers, but it kind of seems like they were a bit separate from her because she, like she was the youngest and very clearly the mom's favorite. And her mom was a narcissist and just emotionally immature and kind of put all of her hopes and dreams onto Jeanette, which is something that you hear about with child stars. And the way she writes about living with a narcissist parent. So like I have a narcissist parent. Um, It's probably easier to figure out which one. And I wasn't expecting. I realized when I was reading this that I've never read something where like they have a narcissist parent and I don't even think about it that often because it's just like how I grew up and how I live and it's just normal for me and she talks about how it's normal for her and like how like the way she writes her childhood and she's so anxious and like trying to make like please her parent and like make sure that they're always okay meanwhile she's the child like the parent should be doing that it's just like it hits so hard and she also wrote these memories like as if they were fiction so you're literally like I was picturing it in my head like a scene because that's how she writes it and like her writing is just like I was absolutely blown away by that um and yeah it's like I wasn't expecting to get emotional about it her writing is so vivid I could feel her worry and her anxiety and like maybe that's because I grew up feeling similarly like that um but the difference is that she had a narcissist parent and an absent parent and like I had a narcissist and a parent who went above and beyond to like make up for that so her dad I'm literally not I won't even touch on it because like you have to read it but like that was a whole thing like the hits just keep coming for this girl and I I just want the best for her because it was like like how could any of this be real it was just so wild um so she also like like she grew up and this was normal and like when you're reading it like these memories of her as like a six-year-old reassuring her mom or like her mom is chasing her dad around the house with a kitchen knife and Jeanette is cheering go mom like when and but she writes it with like this humor that maybe like I found funny because I have childhood trauma but like it was it's kind of just like if you're in that club like you'll get it but it was so normal to her and she writes about the first time she went to a therapist for an eating disorder the therapist said to her like your mom's abusive and Jeanette was so floored by that and she like quit therapy that day and like would never go back to a therapist she's like what are you talking about my mom loves me like we're the best we're best friends whatever and it took like 
she had to be told that what she was going through was abuse, which I think is something that like, like I've experienced that where you're like, holy shit. And you just re-question like every single thing that you went through. And like, just again, like she writes about it in such like a real way that it makes you feel like validated if you've been through that, but also like you understand why she would think that. Um, Like, so with the acting stuff, her mom always wanted to be an actress and her parents never let her. So there's this scene, I say scene, even though it was like a moment in her life, but like she writes it like a scene where her mom's doing her hair and she was like, you want to be an actress, right? And Jeanette is just like always saying yes to her mom. So like that she's happy and she's like, yeah. And then her mom like forces her into it. And it seems like she like wasn't really that, not that she was bad at it, but like she wasn't getting any like big gigs until Nickelodeon with iCarly. And it was actually really interesting because this didn't happen until like halfway into the book. And I think she could have taken all the Nickelodeon stuff out and still have had like enough to talk about. The Nickelodeon stuff was interesting. It wasn't like, I think if you followed the stories that have come out about Nickelodeon and Dan Schneider, like, none of it will be surprising to you to me it felt like information that I already knew it was more so like reading about how her mom was handling like her fame and like her mom um I don't know what the word is for this but like her her mom was obsessed with keeping her young and like that so this is where her eating disorder comes into Jeanette was like 12 maybe younger around like 11 12 13 range and she thought she had breast cancer because she but she really was just getting boobs and she went to her mom and and she was freaking out she's like I can't get boobs I can't grow up and her mom was like oh there's a way we can stop that it's called calorie restriction and from that day on her mom like literally taught her how to be anorexic and encouraged it and like there's they a moment where they go to the doctor and the doctor like remarks on her being underweight and she's like excited about it and like Mm -hmm. obviously like it's a control thing but it was just like deeply deeply upsetting to read about like her issues with food just that like the fact that, that it started the way it did is so upsetting and like she she's like in recovery now but like after her mom dies like so much of her life and her trauma is centered around her eating disorder so she was anorexic and then she becomes bulimic and reading about that was so so hard and I would say like if you struggle with an eating disorder I I honestly wouldn't recommend picking this book up because it's so vivid like she talks about she had to fly to Australia for a Nickelodeon thing and she was throwing up like multiple times every hour on this like 16 hour flight and on the flight her tooth came out because her like all the enamel was like worn away from her stomach acid like it it's very upsetting and like she writes about it very vividly she also writes about though like she ends up going to another therapist and like working on it and like working through recovery um that the eating disorder stuff was the hardest for me to read um I'm like jumping around everywhere but so 
there's a lot of Dan Schneider stuff, him like being a creep. Like we know that her on iCarly and her and Miranda became really close friends. And that was like nice to read about. And it was her first like super close friend. And they're still friends, she said. Um, And then she so as she's getting older, she's like hiding from her mom when she's like dating guys because the mom like won't allow it at all. And if you've seen any interviews of her, like there's just one interview that came out where they read this email that her mom sent her when she was photographed with her boyfriend who the mom didn't know about and it is just like absolutely it's unhinged like you can't believe like a mom would say this to the daughter and and then they just act like nothing like she basically like cuts her out of her life and that says p.s we need money for a new fridge because she also was like being grilling her whole family um and then her mom acts like nothing ever happened and then like moves in. She finally moves out and her mom like finagles a way to move in with her because like she can't get over her. And I think that's where the title comes to because it's like it took her mom dying for her to finally like get out from under her control. Um, also with the Nickelodeon stuff, if you've read things about this online, like the Ariana Grande stuff comes up, not really that much like there wasn't anything in the book that I didn't see online but she talks a lot about like they were they were the stars of Sam and Cat and that was actually supposed to just be Jeanette's show and Mm. then Dan Schneider like added Ariana in and she writes about how jealous she was of her because she grew up rich and with like a normal healthy relationship with her mom and like um she would miss work for weeks on end because she was like singing at this like award show or touring or whatever and she was so mad and so jealous about it and it's it seemed like they were never friends but then in the acknowledgments she shouted ariana out hmm. so i tried to find stuff online i couldn't see anything so if you know like if they're friends now I, i would be interested to know that um and yeah like i said like the humor throughout about her trauma is something that i think it's like the girls like get it get it um obviously people use humor as a coping mechanism and she is really funny and she also is an amazing writer so before I read this that it was announced that she got a deal for a novel and I saw that and I was kind of like that seems a little random um but in the beginning of the book she actually like wrote a screenplay as a kid and her mom like completely dismissed her with some like mean comment about writers so it's kind of cool now to see that she act this was her real dream to write and she's getting to do it and she's so so talented so I obviously will be picking up anything that um she writes in the future and then like I said she's been giving interviews about the book that are she's so well spoken about all of this and they've just added some like interesting context and I really recommend the one she did with Drew Barrymore because Drew Barrymore also had a chaotic family life as a child star and like seeing the two of them relate over that was really cool um and I feel like I didn't do this any justice but my uh, my number one nonfiction for the year definitely one of my top best books of the year and that was I'm glad my mom died by Jeanette McCurdy I'm assuming it's a five-star read yeah five stars (laughs) nice which and like when Libby was talking and you say about like the context like the book is riveting because it's so interesting like it's wild the way that her mom behaved but the writing and the way that she was able to tell these stories is just so so impressive that like 
the writing alone, I would have been like, oh, this is five stars. Because mm. it feels weird to like rate someone's life story. Yeah. Mm. But she, she has a five star <laughs> life story. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What's on your TBR? Um, well, I just started before we started recording the final gambit, which is the latest in the inheritance game series by Jennifer Barnes. Is that what that says? I don't even see it. It's right next to you. Okay. Well, there's also a lot. (laughs) It's like the neon cover next to that. Oh, Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Emily. Um, I would like to read The Dolphin House by Audrey Schwab. It's a buff. It's a buff. <laughs> buff. <laughs> no, I'm looking at it. Love. <laughs> no. It's about the true story of an experiment where... They sent <laughs> it's a bluff. No, it's by Aubrey Plaza. No, Audrey <laughs> Schulman. Oh. She also wrote Theory of the Bastards. Oh. <laughs> I just want to read it. It sounds insane. It's Dolphin Girl on a new level. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> Wait, Emily, did you say how many stars four. you're? Yeah, oh, sorry. Four. Yeah, did sorry, sorry. Five. Yeah. yeah. I know before Emily went, I was like, wow, is it going to be five all around? Oh, but no. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, Libby, what do you, what's on your, what do you want to read? What are we <laughs> calling that? <laughs> on my TBR? Um, Night Crawling by Layla. <laughs> Layla Motley, who's 20 years old. Wow. Wow. Do you know about this book? Yes, I think. Oh yeah, it's like the orange cover with the mm. girl with the braids. Yeah. Anyway, she's twenty. That's wild. That is really crazy. Um, <laughs> Becky, what's on your <laughs> TBR? This or Soul of the Deep. Oh, oh classic. Yeah. By <laughs> Natasha Bowen. Can't wait. Woo! Nice. I'm at the Lazy Library. <laughs> Emily's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Sleep Run Read Repeat. I'm at Becky in the Bookshelves. I'm at Cared What, and you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Please make sure you're following, subscribed, whatever you have to do on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And head to the website, booksinthecitypod.com, for everything and our new holiday merch. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Happy end of November. (laughs) Bye.